Welcome to First Service. This is the last two chapters in the book of Revelation. We made it. Hopefully we'll make it. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it. Jeff did an awesome job, and all the speakers every week just do an awesome following Jeff this time, and what a great message last week. And today, we're going to be uh, talking about the truth about heaven and hell, the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. And I want to get right in there because I've got quite a bit to say. Uh, those, uh, Sharon will tell you, I never sleep hardly on Saturday night because, you know, I'm always saying, God, if, there's, if, if I don't have this right or if there's something else or if I'm missing something, just let me know. And uh, for some reason, he, like 3 o'clock in the morning, he says, okay, I want to let you know something that you've already missed. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, you know? And, I mean, it happens so many times. It's just un so uh, I'm going to kind of ditch quite a bit of what I had and try to give you more of what God, I feel like God wants to say today to us. And as some of you got word, uh, we've got yet another funeral to go to my wife's stepfather, uh, you know, he passed away, and uh, he lived alone in Florida, and he had been uh, deceased several days, and uh, so we're going down and helping with those affairs and the funeral and what all we do there. We appreciate your prayers. We're leaving today after church, and uh, it's just the the children, the the two really three, four children that will have to try to take care of the affairs. And uh, so we ask for your prayers that God would just help and take care of everything there. But we appreciate you always. Today I want to talk about the truth about heaven and hell. The Bible gives us uh, a picture both of the joys of heaven and of the torments of hell in these last two chapters. If you think of all that's been said and for God, the Holy Spirit, and John to make this the most important thing, it's kind of a revelation in itself. John concludes his revelation with a vision because understanding these things will do more to shape your life than perhaps anything else in the Bible. So John, after him telling you all the stuff that's going to happen if you miss the rapture, and uh, now he's focusing on two eternal principles, heaven or hell. And I want to start off today talking a little bit about heaven. Uh, I'm going to give you some several reasons that was described in this vision of John in these last two chapters. One thing he says in chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, he says he describes a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. He says there are two words for new in the Greek. There's neos, which means brand new, and kainos, which means remade, remade. Kainos is the word used here. It's going to be a remade heaven and earth. So it won't even be this earth that we're on right now. It's going to be a brand new earth. A new earth. 
I'm happy about that already. I often wonder what's going to happen to all the buildings and the land and the roads. And it's all going to be wiped away. A brand new earth is going to be made. And uh, it's going to be a renewed, remade heaven and earth. That's the same thing that happens with the new, te- new heaven and the new earth. British theologian N.T. Wright says that we get a glimpse of this when we look at the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which Jesus is called the first fruit of the new creation. The first fruit are the first of the harvest, which gives you a sampling of something that is to come. It's a sampling. It's the first fruit. A lot of times if you grow something, that first fruit, oh, this is going to be great vegetables. Or this is going to be great uh, tomatoes. It's the first fruit, and you're getting a sampling of it. That's what Jesus' resurrection was, a glimpse of our future and the world's future. There was a continuity with the past. He had a body. So after Jesus died, and was resurrected, and he had a body. So that tells me we're going to have a body. And there was people that recognized his body. So I believe people's going to, we're going to recognize. We're going to, be, we're going to be much like we are right now, but different in some ways. Uh, the part I like most is he ate food. <laughs> he ate food. You remember he came back? And uh, Peter had denied him and went back to fishing, and Jesus was by the water, and Jesus fried up some fish, and, hey, Peter, come on in. I want to talk to you. And, you know, Peter had denied him three times. That even thrills me. Even people that denies the Lord three times, Jesus still loves them. He really does. Come on to shore. I want to talk to you. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you? I gave him three chances to reaffirm his relationship with him. And uh, he said, here, I made you some fish. Let's have some fish. And so they cooked up some fish, you know, there. And so I love the fact when we get to heaven, we're going to eat. <laughs> There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. And uh, I think all the, the great foods that's going to be there uh, uh, in this revelation. You know, I believe when we get to heaven, broccoli's probably not going to be good for you. But cotton candy is going to be good for you. Ice cream is going to be good for you. Now, that might be my feelings about heaven, but he said, I'm going to be happy over there. So, Revelation 22 and 1 said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A lot of people are concerned about there will be no sea. Uh, and some don't know whether this is uh, figurative speaking, but I don't believe it is. I think that a lot of bad things that happen, happen at sea. You know, the beast rises up out of the sea, the sea of the nations, uh, the, you know, the, the dragon of the sea. All these seem like bad things come from the sea. You see storms come out of the sea. I was out fishing one time in Florida. We just got back from vacation a, a week ago and family reunion. And I've been out there deep sea fishing. And I'm telling you, the guy will tell you, hey, we got to get in. Storm's coming. I go, I don't see no storm. He said, just believe me, there's a storm coming. 
And I'm telling you, by the before we can get back to shore, one time we was out there and a uh, funnel cloud came and it just like turned the boat around and around for several times. But they come up very quickly, storms. It was a storm that come up uh, when Jesus was on uh, the Sea of Galilee. So I don't know. And another thing, the sea, the only thing that separated John from the people he loved and the churches he loved was the sea. And so maybe he said there would be no more separation. But whatever it means, I don't even have to know what all it means. But he says there will be no more sea. He's telling you the former things will pass away. A new Jerusalem is like a bride adorned. There's no greater, more beautiful day than a, a, a bride. And you know, you can take kind of a homely girl. She looks pretty on her wedding day, right? I mean, it's just true. I don't think I've ever seen a, a, an ugly bride. And, you know, I always like the groom to just kind of tell him to go out and stand and look right down that center aisle because that's going to be the most beautiful day that he's ever seen that person that he's in love with. And so he tells us that this bride is adorned, uh, this city is like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Isn't that what God's wanted from the very beginning? He's wanted to dwell with us. He's wanted to be with us. And sin has been the very thing that separated us from God. And, you know, to correct this, God sent Jesus, born of Mary, but not of, of Joseph. And it, oh, he was overshadowed, by, but he, he was the answer for him. He came and tabernacled among us. We learned about the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He come and dwelled among us. God is so persistent that he's going to have a people that he loves and he's going to be in relationship with and nothing's going to stop him from having us one day with him. I think about Mark Lowry. He made a statement one time. I've never forgot this statement. He says, it always brings tears to my eyes. He said, when I think that the God of all eternity, wants to spend eternity with me. How can this be? How can this be that the God of all eternity, of all time, of all space, that that God wants to spend eternity with me, and he's went through these extreme means to make it happen? It's amazing to me. He said, it's... It's coming down. This is going to be the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I want you to think for a moment all the things in your life that's made you cry. Don't matter what it is. That reason won't be in heaven. Because there's going to be no tears in heaven. It's not unusual that in a week's time around here, our staff, one or the other, is crying about something. <laughs> Do I have to come to work today? <laughs> Are you preaching next week? <laughs> Pray for my mama, pray for my daddy. 
pray for things going on in my life. Pray for some disaster that's happened, whether it be financially, physically, spiritually. And I think he says, there'll be no more tears. And Jesus himself said he would be the one that would wipe every tear from our eye. Can you imagine seeing the pierced hand of our Savior wiping the tears out of our eyes? Tell me Jesus don't love you. So there'll be no more tears. There'll be no sorrows. There'll be no pain. There'll be nothing in our, in our existence then that would even make us want to cry. It don't mean that we won't remember certain things of this earth. I've often heard, I, I got to be in the delivery room when my wife, you know, we had two children. And back then, the hippie generation was all natural. <laughs> And so you, you didn't take, I mean, they took drugs for everything else, recreational, but they didn't want you taking drugs to have a baby. I don't get it. But, but Sharon was in there and they had said, you do this Lamaze and you breathe a certain way and you get a focal point. And I, I would tell her, you know, I was had giving her ice chips and I was rubbing her head and she was going, quit it. Leave me alone. This is never happening again. <laughs> and with our first child, I think it's about eight hours of the hard transition labor. Not the easy part, the hard part. And uh, so I figured we was going to have one child. <laughs> <laughs> but after we had this child, we'd been told that we couldn't have children and then we have this child and we named him Matthew meaning gift from God and uh, somehow over a period of time the love for her son just took away the memories of how bad it hurt and the second one we barely made it to the hospital <laughs> I'm not kidding the guy threw me the stuff. If you're going to be in here with us, you better put it on running down the hallway. And they pretty much, uh, they were trying to slide her into the room and turn the lights on. And she had the baby. And I said, do we have to pay for that room? Because <laughs> we didn't have no insurance. I'm afraid so, sir. You're going to have to pay for that room. But he's going to wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, or any more, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Somewhere in that first section there, John evidently drops his pen or his quill because the Lord tells him, hey, hey, write, write, hey, get your pen, your quill back up and write this. 
I don't think John could even describe heaven. He started off describing what he already saw wasn't going to be there. But he didn't, I mean, when he tries to explain it, even his explanations of heaven, it's this city coming out of heaven and it's 1,500 miles wide and in square all directions, 1,500 miles. That's from Florida to Maine. It's the size of the moon, pretty much. One person said that it would be able to hold like 20 billion people in their estimates, and they don't even know if their estimates are right. But heaven is going to be an amazing place. Uh, you know, some people, some people are not that thrilled about going to heaven. They think they'll be bored in heaven. They think that we're going to be wearing big adult depend diapers. <laughs> and we're going to have little arrows to shoot. And we're going to be, uh, you know, playing harps. And everybody up there is going to be talking like Morgan Freeman reading the dictionary. <laughs> You know, uh, there's not going to be marriage or giving in marriage. No sex in heaven, as far as we understand. Some people go, I don't know if I want to go to heaven or not. (laughs) I want to go to heaven, folks. Sometimes it may sound bored. Uh, boring but the thing is I believe that heaven is going to be everything that earth is plus more I think there's going to be one major thing absent in heaven and that's going to be the curse of sin and the devil the devil that calls the curse of sin uh, and our bodies won't have our same limitations. M.T. Wright says, one day God is going to do with the entire cosmos what he's already done with the resurrected Jesus. Jesus' resurrection is an appetizer for the full course meal of restor- restoration. The trailer to the blockbuster film of redemption. In other words, the new heaven and new earth is everything that we loved about the old heaven and the earth minus the curse of sin. Creation's beauties are heightened, its pleasures strengthened, and our limitations totally removed. Frankly, I I get excited sometimes just imagining what it will be like. What does the glorified heavenly Hawaii look like if Hawaii was the experiment? If Hawaii right now is the cursed Hawaii, what does the uncursed Hawaii look like? Think of the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen or the most beautiful place on the earth that you've ever been and think of what it could be like. And after all, God's the one that thought up sex to start with. God thought up the waterfalls and the colors and the beauty of this world and he done it in seven days when he left this earth he said I go to prepare a place for you and you know 
and I'm going to make this place for you. It's designed for you. And I want you to know that it ain't been seven days. It's, it's been a lot longer. I can't even imagine what he's got stored for us. Colors we've never seen. Uh, things. Uh, he's going to be the light of the day. There'll be no sun uh, as we know it today because he's going to be the light. There, there's just stuff in, as John begins to, to explain heaven, there's no way to explain it. Tim Keller says, heaven is not so much a pie in the sky as a feast on this earth. In heaven we'll experience pleasure without pain, beauty untainted by the curse. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible talk about heaven, there's a heaven somewhere right now, or believers for believers who die going to heaven, are believers right now going to heaven? Yes, the Bible refers to heaven as wherever the throne of God is. And the Bible tells us to be absent from this body, Paul says, is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and 8. So believers who have died have gone to heaven. But the current heaven is just temporary. It's kind of like a holding place. So not only will heaven be a renewed, renewed everything we know, a renewed earth and heaven, but it's going to play, be a place of reunion. Verse 3 says, the dwelling place of God with man, they shall be his people. It's going to be a time of reunion. It's going to be a great re reunion. And uh, so heaven is where God and his people are reunited to forever be together. In heaven, we're going to be reunited with all our loved ones and friends who've died in Jesus. One of God's purpose in salvation was to create an eternal family united by love that never fades. Where we never experience heartache and where we never have to say goodbye to those loved ones in Jesus Christ. Remember, as Christians, we never say goodbye for the last time. We'll never have to say goodbye to those loved ones in Jesus who have been taken from us in death. They will be restored to us. I love a verse of scripture that just blows my mind in Isaiah 49 and 22. It says, this is what the, the sovereign Lord says. In that day, I will give the signal and they will carry your little son's back to you in their arms and they will bring your daughters on their shoulders read quite a bit of commentary on that here's what this verse has been interpreted they said I think it means that parents who have lost children maybe it was in an accident or a disease or a miscarriage will see their son brought back by angels in their arms And in light of this weekend, the reversal of Roe, the, the abortion issues. I know there's so much stuff on that. But can you just think of millions of angels having babies in their arms that are going to return those? People that's lost children. People that's had children have had an accident. I think one of the most 
dreadful thing is here of someone losing their child. Most marriages do not even survive it. It's so devastating. But he said they'll come back. And the, the way they present it, that they'll be bringing the children in their arms and daughters up on their shoulder. Like, you know how a dad will tote their daughter on their shoulder. What a reunion that's going to be. How beautiful. I think the, that uh, God has got something in store for us we can't even imagine. His presence will be the constant light. There will be a release. There will be no more pain, no chronic illness, no aching joints, no tears, no depression, no stress, no emergency rooms, no intensive care wards, no chemotherapy units, no nursing homes. No more pharmacies. No children hospitals. No funeral homes. No more homicide departments, grief counselors, security guards. No more tax forms. Yay. <laughs> no DMVs. God has already saved us from the punishment of sin. But he can't wait. Because he's already saved us from the punishment of sin. But there, will, there we will be saved from the power and the presence of sin. The ultimate pain of sin. We will see his face. And his name will be on our foreheads. The night will be no more. Man has ever had a long night before. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp of sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And the final work of salvation will be done. One day, we're going to see him face to face. It's going to be an amazing place. There's going to be a reassignment. You know, I noticed something about old people, <laughs> which I found out the other day I am one. <laughs> they keep sending me this senior citizen stuff. But I know something I, I think is amazing with older people is they're finally freed from the work that they did all their life, primarily to put food on the table. But I see a lot of seniors that they, they re-channel probably one of their primary gifts. They may be, you know, working at the hospital free of charge or donating time to the school systems. Or they may be involved in art projects, helping set up art things. Or, you know, I know we've got people here that works with wood. They're working with wood and they do creative things. But it's like they always find something else to do. I think heaven's going to be where we find what our primary gift is. And we get to do that throughout eternity. But we're going to be servants to God. We're not going to be just, there's going to be something special for us to do there. And it's going to be great. Uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, 
is how he ends the book in the last book seven. So for us, this is the end of all the stories and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and forever, and whichever chapter is better than the one before. That's a pretty good picture of heaven to me. Pretty good picture of heaven. Last night, uh, I do want to say that uh, we're going to reign with him. One of the things I want to say about this that I want to kind of reel in, I think, uh, you know, God kind of, you know, we need to put away our bucket list. A lot of times we have a bucket list, and there are all the things we want to do before we die. Because we assume, we assume you'll never have a chance to do them again. That's never true for the Christian. It's never true for the scripture. When Jesus says that he's making all things new, doesn't that include all the mountains and the stars and the planets and the animals and the cultures and the arts and the music and the architect and everything? Everything we love to hear about earth, don't you think he's going to make it again, but he's going to only make it better and it's going to be free from the curse of sin? Some of you like gardening. Can you remember doing gardening and there's no sweat or labor to it? There's no bugs. There's no insects. There's no, and you don't have to pull weeds, and you can plant flowers, and you don't worry about weeds or bugs or nothing. We're going to reign with him. I loved how Jeff talked about, you know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a battle on this. All. It's not like we're going to be out there fighting because we're no good at it anyway. It's God going, beep, 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 <laughs> bang, 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 bang. You know, God fights for us. God died for us. God loves us. It's going to be an amazing place. Another thing, not only putting away your, your bucket list, whatever you don't finish here, you're going to get to finish it in heaven in a much more beautiful way. Can you imagine in our lifetime... You know, I've got to travel a little bit. We've not ever got to see everything, the many wonders of this world. And, you know, I don't suspect that I'm going to get around to seeing everything before I die. And that's okay because I'm going to live here a thousand years and rule and reign with the Lord. And then there's going to be heaven and I'm going to have a time to even explore all of that. And the beautiful thing when Jesus was resurrected, not only did he like food, he didn't have to have no wills. He could just like think and he would be somewhere else. And if he decided to just go through a wall, he just showed up in the room where the disciples were. That was his glorified body. You don't have to worry about gas anymore or electric cars. Say, I think I want to go here today. And you just go flying through whatever we exist in at that time. And we're in another place. And yet people can reach. And when we get there, they can touch us. And we're able to be touched and be able to be known. I don't know about you, you may have thought that uh, the book The Shack 
was a horrible book, but I liked it. I liked it because it was somebody else's thinking about heaven. That Jesus liked to fish. Well, he did here on earth. And then he could just walk out there on the water. And there's one right there. We can just give that one. I just believe heaven's going to be more than we can imagine. And I don't think we've got close enough to the heart of God if we think this earth is better than heaven. I think about all the great songs that were written. I've been playing over here with these guys in bluegrass, and there's a lot of old songs in bluegrass, the bluegrass gospel and stuff. In the sweet by and by, when we all get to heaven, there are songs that people lived in in time, and a lot of them lived in a poverty time. They lived during the Great Depression. They lived in time, and they were excited about going to heaven. And I love some of the songs. Will the circle be unbroken? Undertaker, undertaker. You know, slow this thing down. Give me a little bit more time with my thoughts. That woman back there in the back of that, that's my mama. Slow it down. I can't bear putting her in that ground. You know, the songs, the, the reality of those songs and people's feelings around those songs that God give them. We should hunger for heaven. He talks about heaven being a place that people hunger and thirst for. I do want to say a few things about hell. There is a hell. And I want to just give a few. Hell is eternal place of torment. You go, well, do you really believe it's eternal? Well, it's the same word that's used for eternal life. So I uh, I hope that eternal life is true eternal life. So that means if there's true eternal life, there's true eternal hell. Some people go, well, my Lord, why don't God do something about it? Why don't God do something about hell? People say, you know, well, why doesn't God do something about it? He has. He has put Jesus Put on Jesus the punishment for your sin. God will ultimately right all the wrongs and restore justice to the universe. And that's what hell is. That's what hell is, is restoring all the wrongs. You know, when you're saying, don't take vengeance into your own hands. Vengeance is the Lord, saith the Lord. Vengeance is God, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, he says. Well, that's what hell is, is when the day of vengeance. God will ultimately right all wrongs, all those that you're wondering if they're just going to get away with it. Nope, they're not. All wrongs and restore justice to the universe. That's what hell is. It's reckoning day. It's reckoning day. You say, well, why doesn't God do something about it? This place of hell. Why don't God do something else? Why not do another? He has. He put. He has put his own son Jesus. On the cross. As the punishment for all of our sins. What more do you want him to do? If he wouldn't have done that. We had already been in hell. 
There are two ways to pay for sin, and this tells you in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Two ways to pay for sin, eternal, the eternal Son of God can die for it, or you can pay for it eternally. You can get, let the Son pay for it, which is what God prefers, or you can pay for it eternally. But if you will not hear his voice, there is no other alternative. In the end, you say to God, thy will be done, or he says to you, thy will be done. There's nobody going to be able to look up at God and say, you, you sent me to hell. No, he didn't. He provided every way. Get to the end of the book of Revelation. He said, the Spirit says, come. The apostles have said, come. My word has said, come. There's been visions and there's been prophecies. All these say, come. They want you to come. Come, take of the water of life freely. I've done all this. I've done all I can do. You've got, I'm knocking at your heart's door. Open it up and let me in. Let me in. Let me in. He told us how to pray. Pray, Lord, thy, our, you know, God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. But if you insist that your will be done instead of his will, then you will, thy will will be that you will be forever in hell. And it's a real place. It's a place of torment. But it was never designed for you there. Never designed for you there. I want to tell you last night, though, this verse came to my mind. Say, God puts eternity in our hearts. And I grabbed my phone and looked that verse up, chapter th 3 of Ecclesiastes. And it tells us there that, seemingly, it tells us that it's God. God puts eternity in our heart. We were meant to live forever. And we are going to live forever somewhere, either in hell or hell. You know, it's like as we get a born-again spirit, there should be things in this earth. It's like it being a fish that don't like water. You know, it don't work. But in, in a way, once you receive a born-again spirit, you should be a person that feels that you don't belong here. Now think about those old songs, I'm just a pilgrim and a stranger just traveling through this weary land. There was something that transpired in some people's life over the years that once they received the Holy Spirit of God, they no longer felt like they were a good fit for this earth. This earth is not. And it's in Solomon's writing that we find that verse of Scripture. It says that uh, God has put eternity in our hearts. It was God. And uh, when God puts eternity in the heart, and, and Solomon at the end of his life, he was trying to figure out what is this earth all about. He had, the, he had more wealth than anybody that had ever lived. He had more women than anybody that ever lived. He had more of everything, and he tells all the stuff that he has. And if having this world and all that 
belonged to this world could have made you happy. Solomon should have been the happiest person in the world. But Solomon said, hey, guys, I, I've done it all. And I'm going to tell you, it's vanity, it's vanity, it's vanity. It will not bring happiness. It will not bring happiness. And you say, well, what is, what is the end to the book of Revelation? I hope the end of the book of Revelation is this for all of us, that this, we make a decision, this is not our home. There is a home, but this is not it. And the home that God has got prepared for us, I'd rather be there than here. And, and Solomon, he, he tells in his, his, all his writings over and over again, he, he tells of all that he'd done to try to actually gain this, this feeling of being home, uh, the meaning of it, what it means. But there's something in us that we have eternity. We know in, instinctively there's a voice inside of us. We know that uh, we're not meant for this earth, that there's something more. You can live all your life and you'll never be satisfied. And some people believe that, you know, that you're, you know, Bible talks about your tongue being set on by fire and your desires being a fire out of control. Some people believe that hell, it may be a reference to the fact that hell is a place where you're so dissatisfied. You can't, you can't find any satisfaction. It's like, can't get no satisfaction, the song back in the 60s. Can't get no satisfaction. I think that's all the words of the whole song. If you're full of drugs and full of the devil, you're not going to get any satisfaction. You're not going to get it. And all I can tell you, folks, I don't have it figured out. Solomon said, I've lived a long time. And Solomon come to the conclusion... That's what I feel like the Lord took to my life. Dennis, you're not supposed to understand everything. Can an ant understand a, a, the, an elephant? Can We're not going to understand. It takes eternity. God is so big. God is so great. It would take eternity for us to understand God. We'll understand him by and by. But we may have to live a million years before we get to understand just a little bit of God. But I wanted you to know it's going to be all right. I want to end with a video before the worship team comes out. I don't know. I, I want to just say there is a voice inside of you, especially if you're a child of God. There is a God that speaks to you. There is a God that's get he, he will get through to you. It may be through pain. It may be through hurt. It may be through things of this world. But God is trying to get through to all of us. He's trying to let us know. Don't be, don't be so upset that you're dissatisfied with this world. That's the very thing I'm doing because this is not your home. I'm making you a home. Don't be so worried about today because tomorrow is going to be much better. But the thing is, the Spirit is saying, and the church is saying, and the Apostle John is saying, and, and the Spirit is saying, and everything is saying telling us something and we need to hear his voice we need to hear his voice there's a voice speaking and the church needs to hear the voice of God I want to play this video it's about seven minutes long we may have to go to one song guys pick out the best one you want to do <laughs> listen listen to this video in the closing we must follow the voice of God I was in Alaska I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit we're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket. 
to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much, but I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you got to understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. 
And do you understand, without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say you were the voice you're the voice that brought me home if you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice your head's full of voices and then we wonder why kids crash and burn we wonder why marriages are shattered and the lord's saying i'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. As we bow our heads right now, there's a voice that will speak to you right now. If you're not ready 
to accept the fact that the only way you can go to heaven as the man says nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling that's the only way to heaven is the merits of Jesus Christ and him crucified on the cross for all of us he's tired of watching us crash and burn because we will not hear his voice